0: Today on In Spirit and Truth
1: with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. In the span of maybe a couple of minutes, the king went from a banquet to grant his queen her request up to half of his kingdom to realizing that his right hand man, the man who bore his signet ring, the man whom he trusted with his own life, had deceived him and betrayed him and got him to issue a decree, irrevocable decree, that meant the death of his beloved queen.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. While Hollywood can be rather controversial, we often can't help but think how cinema could portray certain biblical accounts. From the account of creation to the book of Revelation, there's definitely a fair share of amazing topics. In today's message, Pastor J.D. helps us to better understand the emotional and political tensions of the strife being caused by Haman. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Esther, Chapter 7, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Esther, Chapters 7 and 8 tonight. I want to, uh, before we jump in, just kind of let you know where we're at. We kind of left it on a cliffhanger uh, last week. It was, uh, right after the first banquet that Esther had invited Haman, uh, evil Haman and, uh, king, uh, the king too. And, uh, she had, uh, instead of asking for what her petition was, after the king had said, I will give you up to half of my kingdom, she said, if it pleases the king, will you please come to a second banquet? Tomorrow, which was really interesting uh, because God did quite a bit that night between the first banquet and the second banquet, namely uh, giving the king a sleepless night, this divine insomnia, and the king as a result of that had his men go get the chronicles to read as boring as they would be to put him to sleep and as God would have it, they they selected the exact from who knows how many of these uh, scrolls with the chronicles and the history, and of all of them, they pick the one that has the account of when Mordecai saved the king's life by, through Esther, revealing a plot on his life to assassinate him. And so the king, in response to this, uh, says to his men, did we ever do anything for this Mordecai? I mean, after all, he saved my life. I'm still alive today because of him. To which their response was, no, we've not done anything. And at that exact moment, again, as God would have it, here comes Haman. Now he's there for a different reason. And he's there early, first thing in the morning. And uh, he's there to ask the king to have Mordecai hung on the gallows that he had built. And before he could even ask the king to grant him this, the king asks him a question on the heels of learning that nothing was done for Mordecai. And so he says to Haman, uh, Haman, what do you think? Should be done for the man whom the king delights to honor. Now here's Haman full of himself. It's all about him. And he's thinking to himself, we're told in the, in the text, interesting detail that's recorded for us, that he thought that the king wanted to honor him. So he comes up with this magnificent, you know, parading of the man whom the king delights to honor, on the horse belonging to the king, wearing the robe belonging to the king, and that they are to proclaim, this is what is to be done for the man whom the king delights to honor. And he goes on and on about this whole thing, thinking the whole time it's him, only to have the king say to him, hey, man, that's a great idea. I'm so glad you came up with that. I I want you to do that, and I want you to do it for Mordecai. He runs home, and after he parades Mordecai through the streets, in front of all the people, who at one time had to by force bow down to him, as he did, except for one man who refused, and that was Mordecai. And So he's the one declaring, as Mordecai is on the king's horse, having done to him everything that he thought would be for him. And after he does that, he runs home, his head covered in shame and humiliation. And he tells his wife and his wise men all that had happened. And his wife makes an interesting statement to him. We're going to actually talk about that a little bit more tonight. She basically says this to him, uh, Mordecai, this is a, a loose paraphrase. Haman's wife says to him, Haman, if this Mordecai, uh, that you've come up against is a Jew, you're toast. <laughs> That's the JDV. That's not the, in the original, but basically you're done. Uh, you will not prevail. And those words, I believe, are going to come back to haunt him as we're going to see here. Uh, shortly, So uh, he's now uh, getting, and, and right after he um, gets to his house, and he hasn't really even had a chance to catch his breath, his wife has just got done telling him that he's doomed if Mordecai is a Jew, and certainly Mordecai, and he knows Mordecai is a Jew. And so as they were talking to him, they came to get him to take him, to the second banquet of Esther. And that's where we're going to pick it up tonight. And boy is, (laughs) I can't wait. So, the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day, verse 2, at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom, it shall be done. And Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people at my request. For, verse 4, we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Wow. <laughs> couple thoughts here on this interesting start to the chapter, the first of which has to do with Esther's God-given prudence and God-given wisdom. Uh, A couple things to note here at this point. She still has not disclosed, at this point, she's about to, but she still hasn't disclosed who her people are. The only thing that she has told the king is that she and her people, keep in mind, the king has no idea that Esther is a Jew. So she says that my people, and it's a threefold plot, which by the way is interesting because it reminds me of the words of the Savior in describing the enemy who desires to steal, kill, and destroy. And look at the threefold nature of what she says here to the king that she and her people were to be sold were sold to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. Boy, not a lot has changed over the <laughs> generations. Uh, the enemy, our battle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness, the, the wickedness in high places, the entities, the demonic and satanic entities in the spiritual realm, seek to this day as they have from the beginning of time, starting with Cain and Abel, to kill and destroy and annihilate the Jewish people, God's people. Now the king also doesn't know, not only does he not know that Esther is a Jew, he doesn't know that the edict was to destroy the Jews, nor does he or Haman know that Esther is a Jew. Let me say that again. Uh, Haman doesn't know that Esther's a Jew. Uh, the king certainly doesn't know that she's a Jew. Now, you would think that when Haman went to the king, that he would have known that It was the Jewish people, but he would not have disclosed to the king that it was the Jews that he wanted to destroy. He didn't tell the king that. And we know that because of chapter 3, verse 8. Let me read it real quick. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people, that's pretty generic, a certain people, not the Jewish people, a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. And then he goes on to tell the king that he will pay what is the equivalent, uh, it's believed, of $30 million with 10,000 talents of silver, which is the equivalent of that. By the way, that's, uh really kind of ties into the second thought. Notice that Esther says, we've been sold. She and her people have been sold for 10,000 talents of silver. Okay, so if that's $30 million, she says to the king, I would have not said anything had it only been that we were sold for 10,000 talents of silver into slavery, I would have held my tongue. Though, this is interesting, this would have caught the king's attention. Though, the king could have never made up for the loss economically to the kingdom. For what we were sold for, basically. In other words, the Jews had prospered the kingdom infinitely more than the $30 million that they had been sold out for. Don't think for a second that that did not catch the king's attention. But it's interesting because Esther's wisdom is displayed here in approaching the king saying that, you know, I would not have said anything had it not been for the fact that we were sold to be annihilated. And the reason she said what she said in the way that she said it I believe, is because God had given her the exact words to speak at the exact moment that she was to speak them. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples, don't be afraid about what you're going to say. God will give you exactly the words to speak in the hour that you are to speak them. And this, I believe, is exactly what is taking place here with Esther. The perfect words said in the perfect way and at the perfect time in order to get the king to grant her request. Verse 5, So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Now wait a minute. Haman is there. Do you think for a second that he doesn't realize uh-oh, where is he? Oh, <laughs> who is he? It's me. You are the man. <laughs> and then he says this. This would have had to have sent shivers up and down his wicked spine. Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Okay. You'll bear with me. I, again, I would have loved, I, this is, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at this banquet. I would have loved to have seen this whole thing play out. I'm of the belief that when Esther said, And she doesn't mince words here. The adversary and enemy, is this wicked? Adversary, enemy, wicked. I think she pointed to him. Is this wicked Haman? (laughs) And we're told, so Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Ya think, ya think. I don't know if it's possible to describe how utterly shocking this must have been for both of them. Not just Haman. Could you imagine what's going through the king's mind right about now? I mean, for him, this was his wife. The queen, no less. And she was to be killed and her people with her by virtue of the irrevocable edict that he himself issued. He had been deceived, and if that weren't bad enough, he had been led to believe that these were a certain people, not the Jewish people, and certainly that this would also include his wife. How about Haman? Uh, I guess he knows now that Esther is a Jew. Surprise, surprise. And (laughs) I don't know if he realized, and we're going to read this, I think when we get to chapter 8, I don't think he realized that, Haman didn't realize that Mordecai was Esther's cousin. I wonder if he's kind of connecting the dots right about now. Wait, Mordecai is a Jew. Esther is a Jew." I really believe that God gave Esther the wisdom and the prudence to have this second banquet for a number of reasons, one of which was to give the king insomnia so he could learn about Mordecai, but also it was, at, I like how one commentator said it, he said it this way, Now. The wisdom of Esther's strange request to invite Haman to these banquets can be seen. It maximized the impact upon both the king and upon Haman himself. I mean down to the gnats' eyebrow, and yes, gnats have eyebrows. Every detail is perfect, and God is orchestrating everything perfectly. Verse 7, Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life, for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. Uh, This is what they call a firm grasp of the obvious. Haman knows rightfully that he's a dead man. He's a dead man walking. He's a dead man begging now for his wife. And here's the king, and it's kind of interesting that he would leave. I actually believe that God put it on his heart to walk out in his wrath. It could be that he needed to just process what just happened? And by the way, what just happened just took place really fast in just a matter of maybe a couple of minutes. In, in the span of maybe a couple of minutes, the king went from a banquet to grant his queen her request up to half of his kingdom to realizing that his right-hand man, the man who bore his signet ring, The man whom he trusted with his own life had deceived him and betrayed him and got him to issue a decree, irrevocable decree, that meant the death of his beloved queen, who, by the way, I know and believe he loved with a love that God gave him for her. That's why he chose her. I believe that God gave him a love for her. And I also believe that God gave Esther a love for him. I, I You know, I, the movies that they've made to depict the uh, account of Esther, I think, fall sadly short. Because they, they take, and I get the whole, you know, license, you know, thing, but sometimes it, it can, well, I don't, I don't want to go off on that. Let's just say that someone has yet to make a, a pic, a motion picture depicting the true account of what took place with uh, Esther. But I digress. So back to our <laughs> Bible study already in progress. The king has been played for a fool. You don't do that to the king. And he's probably just got a, Another reason he may have left, other than the fact that God put it on his heart to leave because of what we're about to see uh, take place, is maybe he had to restrain himself from just killing Haman right there on the spot. And this is his wife. Listen, i, I tell you, as a, a husband... Who loves his wife of 29 years more than anything in the world. If, if somebody <laughs> did anything, something, anything, even remotely close to this, he will be in grave danger. <laughs> and it would be everything <laughs> to keep me from laying hands on him. And I got to believe that the king, He'll let his men do it, but i got to wonder if he just had to walk away before he just killed this guy. Well, and then again, in the back of his mind, he's got to be thinking, "Uh, wait a minute, not only is this my, my love, my queen, my wife, but her people are the Jews? You don't think the king knew how much the Jews had prospered his kingdom. Oh, they prospered his kingdom greatly. And now, because of Haman, who has deceived him and betrayed him, they're going to be annihilated. And, And I sold them out for $30 million. These people are worth many times more than that to the kingdom, to say nothing of my wife.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the Book of Esther today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we strive to bring you God's Word in a way that blesses your life and challenges you to grow closer to your Creator. The Book of Esther is one that encourages a deep faith, especially when the world seems to be falling apart around you. Esther didn't crumble under extreme pressure. She instead turned to God and asked her people to pray fervently for her. Prayer is so important in the life of a believer. It's not just a way to tell God what you need. It's a way to hear from Him and get to know Him better. Prayer can be the difference in any situation. So start there today. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you'll find it at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on listen. Having access to messages from God's Word adds some great encouragement to the pauses in your day and helps to keep your focus on Him. You can also download our mobile app for Apple and Android phones to take these teachings wherever you go. Find a link at inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to include you in our weekly services. Come by Thursday nights for an in-depth Bible study at 7 p.m. or on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. We'd love to meet you and add your voice to our time of worship. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. May God continue to bless your study of his word and may you grow closer to him each day. Join us next time to continue in the book of Esther on In Spirit and Truth.